Welcome everybody to the Baptist Broadcast where we do biblical, intellectual, uncompromising theology for God lovers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What I want to do today is I, I'm not going to keep you for uh, an extended amount of time. I'll try to, if I, if I make it this long, I'll try to cut it off at uh, 20 minutes. But uh, what I want to do today is I want to talk about the heresy, yes, I said heresy, of critical race theory. Critical, the Christian is not free to adopt critical race theory either as a paradigm for understanding uh, anthropology or, or for understanding man, or even as uh, what James Woods called it at uh, the Southern Baptist Convention in 2000, uh, I believe it was 19, or maybe it was 18, uh, called it a, a, a tool, an intellectual tool. Uh, critical race theory is not available to the Christian in any way, shape, or form unless the Christian is just wanting to critique it uh, by way of uh, by way of discerning uh, false teaching. Um, and, and the reason uh, for that, it, I, I really want to show why that is, why that's the reason. Uh, basically, my claim is, is that what critical race theory does is it redefines biblical anthropology. Uh, it redefines the doctrine of man, and it redefines what human beings essentially are. Uh, and because it does that, it actually results in the falsification of the true gospel. In other words, if you believe in critical race theory and the anthropology of critical race theory, and then you apply that to your Christian theology, well then, salvation cannot come the way that Scripture tells us salvation comes, namely through the person and work of Christ who came to redeem the Imago Dei, uh, the human nature, and uh, not just, you know, a, a group of people of a particular race. So that's that's the claim there, and I'm going to show why that claim, I think, holds, uh, or or that criticism holds, um, from Genesis 1. So if you go to Genesis 1, and you look at what God says about the creation of man, I think this, this makes it very clear. What God says and what God does not say about the creation of man. So when God, when God creates man, uh, what he does is he, he tells us what he's creating, okay, and and um, this is this is seen first of all in uh, Genesis one. Um, let's see if you look at Genesis one. If you look at uh, verse twenty six, uh, there's the creation, uh, the brief or, or 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 summary creation narrative of man. In verse twenty six, Genesis one, it says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what does the Bible tell us about man? First of all, it tells us that man has been created in the image of God. That is the that is that is the metaphysics of humanity, if you will. That's the that's the essence of humanity. You want to know what the nature of man is? It is the imago dei. That is that is the essential property we might call it of humanity, and that's imperfect language, but 
you get what I'm saying. This is like baseline humanity right here. Image of God. That's definitive of what man is. Okay. But then there's another ontological dis distinction that's made in verse 27. In verse 27b, uh, it says that God created man. But then it says in the second part of that verse, male and female, he created them. So it gives us an uh, uh, it gives us a distinction within humanity, a biblical distinction within humanity, uh, male and female. Okay, that's the only. So we know man is created in the image of God, and the only distinction that's made in humanity that the Bible actually gives us at the very beginning. This is this is perfect man, by the way. The only distinction that's made is that between male and female. Okay, it's gender distinction. It's not a cultural distinction. It's not a color distinction. It's not a racial distinction or anything like that. Um, and 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 this is fundamentally what man is. Okay, uh, you can't add anything on to that. Uh, what critical race theory does is it says, well, uh, it, it doesn't stop there at those distinctions or at the gender distinction. It says there are other distinctions, ontological distinctions, distinctions, in fact, that are essential to the identity of a human being. All right. And, and they would, they critical race theory in particular would construe those distinctions along the lines of, yes, you guessed it, race. And so race or uh, race and ethnicity or whatever you want to call it uh, becomes an identifying factor in the whatness of humanity, all right? And, and so if you, ask, if you ask, what is a human? Well, you can't just say image of God. You can't just say image of God. You have to predicate, and you can't just say uh, a human is either male or female. You have to predicate further beyond that. Okay, and what that does is it fragments the human essence. No longer can you just say man is image of God, male and female, he made him. Uh, okay, you can't just say that. Uh, that's not that's not what man is. All right, man is there. There 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 are more essential properties to man than those things. Image of God, male and female. That's not enough. You got to add more essential properties to that. Blackness, whiteness, Asianness, uh, and 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 whatever. You know, you just you just add on to that. And, and and then the question becomes, of course, well, why not, you know, why not incorporate hair color, eye color, and all of that in, into, into this? And, um, and then um, wh what you quickly find out is that uh, what they're really getting at is economic disparities and things of that nature. Now, um, one of the things that fails to be captured in this discussion is that when critical theory begins to define the human essence in terms of race is it's endorsing, it's actually endorsing and embracing the result of a curse. Uh, it's endorsing and embracing the result of a curse. Um, and that curse comes to us in the narrative of, of Babel. All right. At the Tower of Babel, what happens? Man is, is, has essentially idolized himself and has a very high view of himself, and this is uh, this is depicted in terms of this is illustrated by their efforts to build this tower and congregate there with one another. And of course, what we know what happens: God comes, confuses this language, and therefore you have the birth of fragmented cultures. 
fragmented cultures. There's no longer one human culture anymore because that one human culture, that one human uh, nation, we might say, or that one human uh, 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 political group has been used in a sinful manner. Uh, it's been abused. It's been perverted. And so what's God do? God judges it. So no, long, no longer is there unification of culture. And the fact that culture has been fragmented and the fact that people live in different countries and speak different languages, okay, uh, is a sign of God's judgment. It's a sign of God's judgment. The fragmentation of culture is a sign of God's judgment. Now, I'm not saying that it's a sin to have a different culture than someone else. There, there's nothing sinful about that. Um, but, but that we would identify with what is essentially a sign of God's judgment is problematic for an understanding of human, for an understanding of anthropology, an understanding of a doctrine of, of man. Um, so instead of, again, critical race theory, what it does is, is, is instead of defining man according to the baseline biblical definition, image of God, male and female, it goes beyond that and it presses beyond that. It actually adds to what God's word says. It says we have to identify along all these racial and cultural lines. And what you'll find out is that it's really not even a... When, when you when you open the hood of critical race theory and you actually have a discussion with someone concerning critical race theory uh, and their and their interpretation of it and their application of it, what you find out is that it's really not even racial. Uh, it's really not even racial because someone like Ben Carson, uh, you know, a politician, neuro, neurosurgeon, and all of this, who who stands against critical race theory, someone who denounces what's going on right now and happens to be black, he's not incorporated into the, the group of, uh, of who they say, who the critical race theorist says is being oppressed. Any black person who dissents from critical race theory and the application of it to anthropology is not included in that group that they say is oppressed. And so really, you, you, so, so the, black, the mere blackness of someone's skin or color of someone's skin does not define them as quote unquote black, right? Something else does. There's some other variable coming into play here. And I would submit that that variable is culture. Um, and uh, it's culture. It's, 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 it's the way people live, the way people think, the, the way people behave. And all of these things are further defining factors. Okay. And so it's not even just skin color. That's coming into play here. It's 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 culture because you take the you take the Vody Bacham's, you take the Ben Carson's, you take uh, you take uh, Walter Williams's, the uh, the Thomas Souls, and and you take those guys, and those guys are not by the critical race theorists thought of as guys who experience this kind of oppression. So this is a cultural thing more so I, I believe than it is a, a a skin color or or racial thing. All right. So when you actually open the hood of critical race theory and and dive into it and and you 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 begin asking questions and probing questions, you find out real quick that that what they're actually calling race is 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 more cultural than it is anything else. Anyway, getting back to the getting back to the scriptures, critical race theory does not allow for someone to just merely define humanity according to the baseline biblical definition, image of God, male and female. You notice that in the creation 
of man. God does not say, I'm creating man according to a bunch of different cultures, bunch of different skin colors, you know, etc., etc., etc. No, he gives us the distinction, the only biblical distinction that is to be made. Now, I know that there are distinctions that are obviously made uh, when, when you're looking at economics or when you're looking at sociology. You have to make these kinds of distinctions, but they're not essential distinctions. For example, I, I, Josh could be, uh, could be Hispanic, for example. I could have been born Hispanic. Uh, I could have been born brown. I could have been born with more melanin in my skin. I could have been born into a different culture and still, uh, and still have the same mind and the same soul, right? So, uh, and, 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 and who, and, and things, there are things about Josh that could be different while Josh actually stays the same, okay? There could be things about Josh that are different while Josh stays the same. For example, my hair is getting gray, all right? I, I admit it, right? My wife's been telling me this for years, that I've been getting gray hairs here and there. My hair is getting gray. And when my head eventually turns all gray, I, I, I tell her that that's a badge of wisdom, by the way. And that's how I, that's how I hype myself up for, for a gray head one of these days. It's a badge of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with gray hair. Um, uh, but when my hair turns gray, I'm still going to be Josh, right? And if I were to be born, if God had ordained for me to be born in Mexico to uh, to a Mexican family, uh, then then I could still be Josh. I could still have the same soul and all of this, um, and uh, and 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 different things about my body, different things about my culture. You know, those are called accidents. So there's the human essence, right? There's the human essence, essential. There, there are things that are essential to what an individual human being is. And that is what the Bible says it is. It is the image of God, that you're made in the image of God, uh, you're a rational creature, and uh, that you're either male or female, okay? Those are essential things, essential properties, we might call them, about being a human being. But then anything beyond that that, that causes you to be distinguished one human being to another are accidental properties. They're accidental properties. That is, they could go away, they could diminish, they could change, and you would still be the same person. Um, I, my arm is an accidental property. I could lose my arm and I would still be a human person. I would still be Josh, even though I would be degraded in a sense, having lost my arm and would be would be handicapped. I I I, I would be uh, I would be hindered in that way. And, um, uh, but my personhood would remain, my humanness would remain, uh, even though something about my body has been changed. And of course, in the resurrection, that will be reconciled. But um, the point is, is that there are things that right now, because of critical race theory and other bad theories about humanity, uh, sexual ethics, for example, homosexuality, LGBT, and all that, there are things about humanity that are that are being idolized and made into essential properties of humanity when they're actually only accidental properties of humanity. Um, uh, I'll, I'll name another example in, in the sexual ethics side of things. I could I could have been uh, I could have been born a a eunuch uh, a physical eunuch or I could have. Uh, just not a desire for marriage. Uh, God could have called me to a life of celibacy. Um, 
And just because I wouldn't have an explicit like sexual uh, uh, connection to anyone else wouldn't change my humanity. I would still be a human, right? So even uh, some things about uh, about sexual relationships and and uh, and and sexual distinctions, those things are accidental to the individual human person as well. Uh, they can they can actually be without those things and still be considered a human, still be considered considered a human person. And what we're doing is we're taking these things, for example, like in the LGBT quote unquote community, they'll take these things and they'll make them a matter of human identity. And you're making an accidental property, something that 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 will not even be with you in glory, right? Something that will not be with you for eternity, something that does not define the human essence. They're taking those accidental properties and they're idolizing them, they're perverting in them. But worse of all, they're actually making them, they're identifying them with the human essence. And so that they find their identity in those things. And in the, on the critical race side of it, they're finding their identity in their skin color, in their culture. All of those things could change. All of those things could change. And yet they would still be the same human person. Because what's essential to them is that they're created in the image of God, that they're either male or female. Those things are essential attributes of the human but they're making things that are not essential attributes into essential attributes. And I would, I, there's another argument that I would like to go into, but I don't have the time here. I promised you uh, a, a concise podcast today. Um, but there are things that th there's an argument, I think, to be, to be made uh, in relation to the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. If his Jewishness was essential to him, uh, if, if if that was essentially def definitive of the human nature of Christ, well, then I think that he could only redeem uh, Jewish people. Uh, if skin color and culture and all of those things are properties of the human essence, uh, are properties of the human nature, uh, uh, essentially and fundamentally, then I think we're all doomed doomed in our sin. Um, and and there there will be another another time that I can expand on that argument. I've written an article on that that's on my website. You'd have to go uh, a few pages back, uh, but it is it is titled. I'll try to find it here for you. Um, it is titled uh, "If Black If Quote Unquote Black Theology Is True." We are all still in our sins. That is, if, if black people have Asians, if white people, if we all have different theologies, right? You can see how that's problematic. We all have different theologies according to our skin color, according to our culture, ethnicity, and all that. Uh, that's, that's problematic because it means that Jesus had a different theology as well, a totally different theology, a Jewish theology in particular. And so how does he, how does he, how would, how would he get from that if that's definitive of his human nature? How would how would uh, anything he did be efficacious for for uh, for anyone else? We'd essentially be aliens to him if our skin color and culture defined our human essence. Anyway, I won't go into all that. I will leave you with this. I hope it was helpful. Uh, if it was helpful, go ahead and share this episode. Uh, these are things that people are talking about now more than ever, so it's it's very relevant. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of the day.